Hello again, friends, and welcome back to the Bike Pack Canada podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Well, 2019 is almost a wrap, and what a year it's been. Uh, I've had some great conversations on this podcast, and uh, I'm so glad that I've been able to share that with you. 2019 was supposed to be a year of personal growth for me, and uh, a couple years before, after stumbling into the bikepacking world, not only did I enjoy the activity itself, but I really enjoyed the community. What a great, awesome group of people you are. Um, I'm so grateful to have met everyone uh, through bikepacking, and uh, grateful that I've had the privilege to have these discussions with people and uh, to share their inspirational stories and their journeys with you as well. And uh, what I found through these conversations is whether they're uh, new athletes or elite athletes, everyone's experience is quite similar. Um, and uh, I find that pretty interesting. There's, there's no question that uh, activities like this, uh, cycling, bikepacking, are, uh, are extremely beneficial for mental health. And that goes for me as well. Uh, I've been struggling with depression over the last handful of years. And I knew going into 2019 that uh, it had to be a year of personal growth for me. Um, I found that, you know, that it's a slippery slope. And uh, just just the cycling for me wasn't wasn't really doing it all. What I needed was connectedness. And uh, that's what I found with this world of bikepacking. Not only the activity itself, but the tribe, man. You guys are my tribe. We're a tribe. And I love uh, connecting with you guys via the podcast. And I'm so grateful to Bikepack Canada for giving me the opportunity to host something that Ryan Corey started. And uh, those are big shoes to fill. And, um, and I hope I'm doing a good job at it. Sorry. Um, yeah, so you guys are pretty amazing. So I really hope that the conversations I'm sharing resonate with you. I hope you're getting something out of them. I hope you're learning from them. Because, man, I, I know I am. I learn something every time, every conversation I'm, I'm learning. And uh, I can't be more grateful for that. So thank you, Bike Pack Canada. I want to thank all the listeners for, for tuning in uh, every couple weeks and listening and being patient. Um, I'm a busy guy, a family guy. Don't have a ton of time to put podcasts out every week. So hopefully the ones that I'm putting out uh, make up for that. And uh, I really appreciate your, uh, your reviews and your ratings. <clears throat> and I really want to thank the people who have taken the time out of their lives to talk with me so that I can share these conversations with all of you. Because I think that just brings us tighter together and, and makes us a tighter community. So this podcast, uh, I thought I would just kind of do a recap. Um, as you guys know, um, generally the beginning of the podcast, I will take a little snippet from the conversation and put it up front. And uh, generally those are funny or inspirational uh, excerpts from the conversation. And uh, so what I thought today, uh, it's just a short one, um, just to recap back to 2019 and uh, just thought we'd go over some of the, some of the voice intros. Uh, I've, I've had the privilege of talking to some amazing people and uh, they're basically in order. Uh, I started doing the podcast at number 46 um, and I, uh, I opened with my uh, good friend Katrina Rosen and then it was Ryan Draper, Sarah Hornby, uh, Doug Dunlop, Matthew Cady, uh, Kurt Refsnyder and Clee Roy, Evan Deutsch, Leonard Pretorius, 
Sofiane Saley, The Lost Elephant Crew, Eric Ross, Nathan Siemens, Andrew McDonald and Tony Hitu, uh, Janie Hayes, uh, Jonathan Hayward, Aaron Guru Weinsheimer, <laughs> Nat Rainbow, um, Matt Katie, Sarah Kaler, and Kyle Messier on uh, BT700 Part 2. Uh, sports psychologist Matt Bain, RJ Sawyer, Liz Henderson and Bob Almack, Tara Weir, and Mike Gurnham. And also uh, conversations I haven't put out yet with uh, Tyler Hamilton, uh, Peter Hockenhall, Lamar Timmons, and Guy Stewart. So I want to thank everyone for the time that they've given to Bikepack Canada to share their, their insights into bikepacking and to share some of the stories of their journeys. And so I hope you enjoy this. Um, these are some of the intros from the last year. And uh, I hope that maybe it'll, uh, it'll uh, prompt some people who maybe haven't heard some of these podcasts to go back and have a listen. Um, there's some great inspirational conversations here. So I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, I look forward to another year of bringing you conversations similar to this. I look forward to another year of racing bikes in the summer. And I look forward to all the new connections and friendships that I'm going to make in 2020. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. And without further delay, here are some of the intros. You know, I think sometimes we can feel alone, but like, are we ever truly alone? And that was, and that was really interesting for me because though that race wasn't that long, for me, it was probably the longest I've ever been alone in a long time. So I am really, really lucky. I have a very supportive partner. Well, it wouldn't work. I mean, and I, I wish that for more people, for sure. Yeah. Or that more people have a way to have a conversation about it in a positive, in a positive way to really show their partner how you know important it is for them. I can make you fit at the expense of your health, um, or I can make you healthy, right. and uh, therefore you'll just end up being fit. And they're two very, very different approaches. I try and help them, um, you know, make the, the appropriate changes um, you know, to to uh, to be the best version of themselves. Everyone really, really stepped up, and you know, these people have families and jobs and tons going on in their lives and it's a massive undertaking there are so many moving parts to it and uh yeah really really super grateful just like a few months ago i came across i was reading a canadian cycling article actually that jeff wrote about ryan um, and he had been here interviewing ryan like pretty shortly before he passed they were kind of talking about legacy and what you would want to carry on after you die in the bike pack Summit was like the one thing that he mentioned. Here I am, knowing that uh, things are gonna get worse. The trail is uh, deteriorating and I have no idea if I'm gonna be able to uh, even get down the other side. So I may get up top and have to go back the way I came, but that's okay. Cause uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, yeah. Not everybody's kind of fun, but fun. In, in the bikepacking community, we've seen it. We've seen it with, uh, you know, a few recent deaths. Um, you know, 
Ryan Corey is is an obvious one and it it's sort of a, a push in the direction of when do you feel more alive than when you're pushing yourself to the the limit like yeah this was a total failure as far as a camping ride went but you know imagine how far ahead i am than the version of me in the alternate universe that didn't even you know stayed home watch tv i was on one ride last summer and it just kind of the light bulb went went off and i was like you know i probably could piece together a lot of this into some sort of loop and then i started doing it more and more and the kilometers were adding up and then i kept hearing more and more about all these bike packing events and and things that are out there um all over north america and all over europe now and all over the world so uh and then i was just like ah maybe i'll just put it out there and see what happens with some really just kind of easy recommendations like cook more which most people probably should do one of the things that's um kind of ready to go the way of the dodo is family dinners and you know studies show again i mean families eat together are happier and also healthier the goal of the route is to showcase and really highlight the wild public lands that we have in the western us um and so one of the goals was to find these gems of public lands that are really remote but still get riders to communities where they can resupply regularly and provide kind of a more rugged um quiet backcountry experience than the great divide route offers was this First Nation lady and she was from the Hopi tribe. We had this amazing visit that night, Steve. It was just magical. We sat around the fire, the stars were out and clear, there was a full moon. And she would just tell me stories. I didn't really need to ask her any questions. I think for me, the trail magic I'm looking for and I seem to find it everywhere or it finds you, however you choose to view it, is um, it's the unique energy that's generated at the three-way intersection of human-powered travel, wild landscapes, and people. Honestly, it was just such a relief to be on the bike. And I, that was the, this overwhelming feeling, you know, riding out of Penticton is just how, you know, it's I've, I, honestly, I think bikepacking is a real privilege that, you know, we can dedicate this time to it, you know, I, I mean, so yeah, it's hard. It's it is difficult, but at the same time, it's you know it's something we choose to do, and it, it just it feels like a privilege to be able to kind of drop things for that period of time, however long the race is, and just focus on that race. I find these like in these endurance races are almost like a puzzle of how can you do this, how can you get better, um, and so to kind of uh, you know have have things come together and really be able to pull off a good race just feels really good because there's a lot that needs to come together. So so I really enjoy the social aspect of it and especially as, a, as an organizer, to me that's the most rewarding part is, is just giving people opportunity to, to challenge themselves and, and meeting everybody out there and uh, from different walks of life who, who sort of is brought together by this, this uh, single passion and, uh, and, and, and willingness to, to put themselves out there and explore your limits and uh, see the country ride bike. Um, so, so for that reason, I'll probably ride it eastbound again this year. Um, when, you, when you feel you're done and you're toast at night, go to sleep, wake up the next morning and then decide, never quit at night. Because 80% uh, of the time when you wake up the next day, you, you find yourself going on. But, uh, and then uh, again, as always, and that's the biggest thing with the bikepacking races, when you push the limits like this, for every low, there's always a high that's gonna come after. It never stays bad and it never stays good. It always 
swings from one extreme to the other. So uh, in the lowest low, you you can. I, I always tell myself that won't last. You've just got to you go through the lows to get to the highs, and that was true again this time. So, I'm I'm glad that I can tell that story in a few years. You know, I'm glad that when because this is TD history, and I'm glad that when some people are going to talk about the 2019 TD and, and and say, do you remember the the Brush Mountain Lodge armistice? I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I remember. I was there, and believe me, it was crazy. And 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 being able to tell the story of this. Just thinking about all that stuff that I could have done differently, going going home and thinking about that, this is not going to do any good. So I'd rather just get on my bike because I know that on my bike, I'm never going to think about that stuff. I'm just going to, you know, enjoy it, enjoy the riding, enjoy the landscape, enjoy discovering places I've never seen. So for me, scratching, why not? I don't care as long as I get to ride my bike. Yeah, I remember the first year, I mean. We ended up in the pub there in Fernie. Yeah, just said screw it. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was like where I was pouring, pouring rain, like oh, downpour, yeah. just totally demoralizing. <laughs> it's either head into the flathead where there's no turning back, or the the pub in Fernie. That seems to be what a lot of the chitter chatter is around Cranbrook right now. Is the Dumbo everyone's getting excited for, and it seems there's a big group that like the Dumbo aspect of it they're they're hitting it as a social ride almost more than anything else I think that's a lot of people's sort of plans with this one is just to get out there and have some fun well I guess my first foray into athletics was when I was four years old and it was a rebellious stance um, I wanted to learn to ride a two-wheeled bike without training wheels and my dad said that he would teach me when I was five I wasn't five, so I guess I went to the dumpster in our apartment complex and found a bike <laughs> and taught myself how to ride. The face of the field is changing and um, more women, or I think it's an exposure issue mostly, women are learning about it and then also realizing that like we're made for it. Probably half dozen people have, have either emailed me or messaged me with with input on uh, on the route, so it's been no, it's been super helpful, and I've just been kind of keeping notes of all of those those suggestions and and ideas and possible issues with sections, and then in the next month or two, I'll be doing some scouting out there myself on a couple of sections that I want to verify. You you let your mind make it more of an issue than it really has to be, like you're not on death's door or anything like that, but. You know, things come up while you're riding and you kind of have to push past them sometimes. And I've heard this from a couple of people on podcasts and stuff that, you know, they really need to go into these type of things basically with, you know, a clear, you know, everything cleared off your plate. And especially people doing these big events like the Tour Divide and things like that. You need to be going into it with nothing that is going to be an excuse for you to pull out. And, you know, to be fair, this this um, jumbo route, I, I usually am pretty meticulous about studying routes, but I really jumped into this kind of blind, and so I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's been much harder than I thought, yeah. um, and I've loved it. We're a um, 
bike packing bag manufacturer in Salida, Colorado, which is where I live. Um, I'm just one of the team members there. It's a great, great company to work for. Um, I get to get to make stuff that I love making and, you know, just kind of be involved in the industry a little bit. We were talking about intention earlier and oh, yeah. I made a very conscious decision that I was going to base my life around these things I wanted to do and everything else must fall in around. And yeah, they must. It must because yeah. that's, that's the only way I want it to be. And so, you know, of course there's the give and take of real life, but um, I think when we focus on what we really want um, and rearrange things around that, that things fall into place, you know? So it should have been really prepared, but I was so chilled out in the morning, as in like I was really excited, but I was really chilled, sitting there drinking my coffee and eating my breakfast, and I was like, Oh my word, I need to be there. So I like turned up practically late because Larry's speech was going on. How can you be late to like, I've been building up for this for seven months. I don't know how you can possibly be late. So anyway, I kind of missed that, but then like I had all the hype and everybody setting up. And then I'm 15 miles, 15 miles, that's it. 15 miles in and I have like massive puncture on the back in any way, shape or form that I could in the present. I, I just realized through all the mindfulness and meditation, I was like, the only actual time that exists is the present. The past is gone, the future might never come. All you've got is now. So every day, just enjoy that day to the point of whatever you're doing at that moment, give it your full attention and really embrace it. Is that if I had thoughts where I didn't want to go down that thought, I, I stem myself, because our brains are our brains, they will pop up random thoughts into our head. So if I have a thought that I don't want, I literally like draw a love heart in my head and send it to it and then just think of something else. Just to kind of like be like, okay, that's fine because we are only human and we are going to have these thoughts, but then let's just let it go. Yeah, living is going out and doing the stuff that you want to do and really enjoy it. And I think that comes back to the being present in the moment, isn't it? It's being able to go and do the things you want to do and enjoy doing them. So I had never, I'd never really been part of like a Grand Depart kind of event before. And I could tell you that, I mean, Sarah, I'll agree, like the atmosphere is, I mean, I totally get it now. Like the stories, the the Sunday morning, like of the Grand Depart was just, it was unbelievable. Like yeah. people were like in the most incredible spirits. Um, like I didn't do the full ride because I stayed back to just uh, welcome riders in, things like that. But I rode out with people in that morning and oh, I can't believe how many people were just enjoying being alive on their bicycle. Every turn had a different view and then a different climb and then another spectacular view and just so many amazing farmlands, places I never knew. I've lived in this area, part of this whole roots area for, I mean, I won't tell you how many years, but all my life. <laughs> and it's just, um, it's phenomenal. What I didn't even know was here, just so much beauty. And then all of a sudden they would take off in like this streak of orange off beside me. And I was like, it's like, whoa, it's like, that's so crazy. And then I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm like you're riding your bike alone. <laughs> so that part, it cracked me up. It was good humor at that point. I had a great athlete that I worked with years ago who uh, they couldn't stand uh, like competition. They hated competition, but they were very, very, very talented. 
So when I sat down with the athlete, we, we talked about, okay, like, you know, why is practice differently? Why is practice different? And they said like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm training with people. Why is the race any different? And they just kind of looked at it like, I guess it isn't really, you know, you're, you're seeing this cutthroat thing you're supposed to project into the situation and you hate it. And, you know, instead this person ended up going to the next race, you know, and this is a very high level competitor, like super bubbly, relaxed, excited, like wanted to meet people, like, to, you know, talk about like, how was your experience? What's your best, you know, event, those kinds of things. And they absolutely annihilated the field. I encourage uh, almost any team that I work with and, and individual athletes that I work with, I encourage the concept of curiosity and playfulness. Um, you know, the, the old adage of like, you can take the sport seriously, but yourself lightly um, is, is super important because that, that curiosity is going to get you beyond that uncomfortable point. Um, whether it's like you're, you're flat out in a 400 on a track or you're at, you know, mile 100 of a century, then it, the curiosity is for like the next five seconds, the next five minutes, the next, like, I wonder if I can go harder instead of like, I think I'm at my limit. Now you're making decisions about yourself. I want to be responsible for myself. So I think as you get lighter and lighter with your gear, I sometimes kind of get concerned that I'm disrespecting my, disrespecting the trail. You know what I mean? Like where I'm like, oh, well, if I, if, if I get into trouble, I'll just get help or I'll walk out or I'll scratch. But I'm like, well, no, that's not the spirit of what this is. I want to make sure I bring everything I need so that like I can finish. And um, so I'm definitely careful about going too light and, and trying to like, you know, just drop all this stuff and, and go for broke. And if I don't make it, so be it. Cause that's not my intention. Yeah, it's a selfish endeavor and it's time away. And, um, but like being selfish, you know, sometimes it's a negative word, but it's not, it's important. Yeah. Like I think it's a really healthy thing for people to do. And this just happens to be like my, one of my outlets. With all the bike trips by day five, if you've been in the saddle 12 hours, eight hours by day five, you're pretty well in shape. So it, we've, we've experienced that and, and perhaps, um, maybe other People our age wouldn't have had the confidence they would want to train, but you really, your body adapts uh, a, a lot. So we, we did have that comfort level. I think it really brought us closer together because we had to be such a team. You know, and we, you know there were some difficult moments. There were some moments when we were exhausted. There were some moments when we were wondering, do we have enough water? There were some moments when I got us lost. The other highlight sort of was as I reflect back at it, and of course a third of the trip is the memory, <laughs> is the kindness of, mm -hmm. the kindness of, of strangers. The only condition was uh, to pay it forward. So that was really inspirational. They even offered uh, linen sheets for us. So we, the next day, signed up to be hosts for warm showers. and. It just shows like young, old, like you can make the time for it and you can prioritize it if you really want to. I've always been into cycling. It started probably in my preteens. Um, my dad actually got me into to riding. Um, so he was a cyclist his whole life, like more like uh, long distance, like randonneur style events. Um, so I started cycling with him when I was probably about 13 years old. It was like a father daughter 
bonding experience. So we would go on lots of road rides together and we joined a club where we'd do anywhere like from 100 to like 300 plus kilometers events. I, I do want to encourage women to get out there and let them know that, yeah, like it's really not as scary as the news tell you it is or as your parents tell you it is or your friends who haven't traveled. Like if you talk to other women, I think they often report the same experiences that I have. But for the most part, like 99% of this world is good and they're there to help you. Yeah, I just saw like this movement out the window in my peripheral vision and it's just some guy just hopped on my bike and started riding away. And I just remember chasing him down and there's a security guard there who had this like town cruiser bike that he let me borrow. <laughs> I was like trying to ride after this guy. I'm like, this is not happening. The last checkpoint was at the top of a, it was like a closed ski resort. Well, it closed because it wasn't winter. And then, um, yeah, the next day we're in one of the biggest cities in the world <laughs> on our bikes. Just And it was just built overall, like there's a Facebook group for all the riders and we're all kind of watching it and posting updates. And it turned into a super typhoon and it like it just missed Kyushu where we started and it kind of made landfall around Tokyo. So like just made it in time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that look back on 2019. And uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I also want to thank the people who took the time out of their busy lives to talk to us here at Bikepack Canada to share their stories and inspiration. Um, I'm really looking forward to 2020 and uh, bringing you more uh, inspirational conversations with people in our community. Remember, if you have a guest suggestion, any feedback, or a voice intro you want to send me, you can send that to bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. I also want to thank Rebound Cycle for their support. And uh, I want to thank everyone again for tuning in and listening. And uh, we'll see you in 2020. And until then, get out there, ride bikes, sleep in the woods, and keep the rubber side down.